0: So we're going to open up with this song from Xandra and Janine from the Bible called Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. This is called The Love of Christ. May together with all the and tonight, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. And I pray that you be rooted established And long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and long and high and deep is the of Christ. I think about that, you guys.
1: And I
0: to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to measure of all the fullness of God and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you By the way, this is the NIV version in case you're curious. Yesterday I had, um, an interesting day and today I want to share with you my day. (laughs) Um, so yesterday I did two interviews, um, which my ears feeling blocked right now, the right ear. Um, I did two interviews and normally I don't do two interviews in a day because it can be emotionally exhausting, um dog's making noise over there. Um, in one interview, I interviewed somebody that has terminal cancer. In another interview, I interviewed a, a mega church pastor that I normally would never have on my show because I believe he's more liberal and really doesn't, uh, I don't think theologically I agree with him on a lot of things, to be honest. Um, but but I chose to have him on because I looked through the book and I thought, yeah, it's okay. And it, it ended up being a, a comfortable interview. So, um, you know, and in both cases, in in both cases, my goal was to offer the body of Christ a perspective that I can't bring myself, right? Because I can only do so much. I'm only one person. I only have one perspective, um... And I think sometimes in, um, the work that I do here, uh, I know that just like when I was a therapist, right? People have this wrong idea of what therapy is and what a therapist does. They they think that if somebody comes to see you as a therapist, that you're sitting there just sitting in a chair and doing nothing, um, which is... (laughs) The irony of it all is that you spend six years in college earning a master's degree so you could sit there and, quote, do nothing, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes up here. <laughs> you know, one of the things I like to tell people is that if, you, if you're if you not familiar with family systems and how they work, then you're never going to understand what being a therapist is is like because the way I think is different than the way a normal person thinks. I just, I think... I I see I see parts, I see personality. Um I see pattern. Um I see outcome and I can, I can see um different. I just I mean we all see different, but but there there really is training that goes on. I guess that's my point. Um and you know, there's an old song by Twilight Paris called "The Warrior is a Child," <laughs> and and you know, um, for many years I made that my my motto, my theme song. You know, because because you know, it's 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 hard when you've been on the front lines doing hard work. You know, even if you're called to it, doesn't necessarily mean that's easy, right? Um, and so anyway, you know, for the, for the last couple of months, I've kind of been in this, um, I don't know what the right word is, but it, 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 I guess classroom could be a good word, uh, where, where Jesus has shown me some stuff like, you know, he's showing me, um, what biblical, biblical community is, what friendship is, um, what his word says and and even a greater depth of how much he can heal you uh i've been learning about vulnerable being vulnerable um at a newer level than i was before and um and and it's a beautiful thing but it's a hard thing because frankly not a lot of people are there you know it, it's it's hard to um you know, a lot of people he- are here, and when you go here, it's harder for people because they don't want to go there. And so yesterday, when I was talking about cancer with Krista uh, Malley, one of the things that I did, which was completely out of my comfort zone, was I talked about death, and I talked about what it, what it was like to be in that situation and to think about, like, how you want to die, you know? Um, you know, and she talked about how somebody in her position wants to be asked questions. And some of the questions that I asked upset some people, um, because it was the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to look at the elephant that's there in the room. And honestly, the interviewer didn't want to look at that either, because who wants to look at that? Nobody wants to look at that. Because it's not comfortable, you know, it's, it's hard to be real in in a situation where you wish this wasn't reality, right? And, you know, so that got me thinking, it got me thinking about Christ and the parallel that we have as believers in a culture that's apathetic, in a church culture that's apathetic, where... You know, we can discuss the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, and we're just like, all, oh, whatever. Yeah, that Jesus story, we've heard it a million times, you know. But let me ask you something. If you were there, if you were in the audience, if you were Mary, his mother, and you were there watching your son be crucified who was the spotless Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, if you were there at the cross watching an innocent man be put to death for crimes he didn't commit, but because he decided to lay down his life for you, wouldn't you want to talk about it afterwards? Do you not think that Mary and john and peter and all these guys had conversations about this afterwards or do you think they just went on with their life like oh nothing happened there nobody you know no they all talked about it right they all talked about it and yet in our culture um you know it's acceptable what's acceptable and i'm talking the church okay so hear me on this what is acceptable is going to a bar and getting a glass of wine or a couple beers, slamming those down after church or maybe during church or after, you know, um, a thing. What's acceptable is going and turning on Netflix and watching, you know, um, what do they call it, binge or whatever, you know, you're, 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 you're you ex- you, escape into some show that has nothing to do with reality whatsoever, you know, it's acceptable to medicate and to, um, be in a, to, to try to comfort yourself in a, in a different way than, than, than actually go to the real source of comfort and the real source of pain, right? You know, so I was, I was thinking about, um, that that famous now Teddy Roosevelt quote, that Brene Brown brought out in her book. And I want to read it um, because I think it really does pertain to this. And then another thing, and then I know Randall wants to say some, but, um, but we, he, this is titled The Man in the Arena. And it says, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions. Who spends himself in a worthy cause. Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold, cold, and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Teddy Roosevelt. So, you know, I, I love, I love this quote. I love it. Because what he's saying is, you know what? There's always going to be an armchair critic out there who's going to criticize, you're going to sit from the sideline and you're going to criticize the people who are in, you know, who are in the um, the, the battle the the ones that are actually out there doing something and i get that a lot you know i've gotten that a lot in 16 years i've done this show i've had people criticize me i'm okay with it it's part of the job it's it's what it it, it it's what what happens right and my purpose in this show isn't to create controversy my purpose in this program is to build the church up to exhort the body And to equip you with a tool, primarily from the word of God, that can strengthen you in your inner man, that will give you the courage to go out and speak to a culture that needs Christ. You know, we need Jesus, you guys. Last night when I was talking to Pastor uh, Brady Boyd, it was very interesting to me. Um, You know, here's a guy talking about extravagant uh, extravagance and giving to the poor and all this other stuff. But at the end of the interview, if you go back and look at it, um, you know, I'm telling him about this whole thing, God time together, getting to bed, getting together with other believers and just reading God's word together. And then talking about it, his, his countenance changed. You can go watch it. His countenance got sad. His eyes teared up. This is a senior pastor of a mega church that has six campuses. And I thought to myself, as I'm saying this to this guy, why doesn't he do this, something like this with his church? I thought to myself, are you part of the rich man that's hard to enter the kingdom of God because you're so concerned with this over here? Are you like Martha, who God adored, by the way, but are you so worried over here doing all this stuff? Or are you more like Mary who's sitting down at the feet of Christ and doing what's best, what Jesus called, you know, the better thing? Um, People are hurting. People are dying. People are dealing with stuff privately that they don't want to talk about. And, um, you know, suicide is at a all-time high. Bankruptcy, financial problems, anger in the home, all types of addiction. But, you know, what's not lacking is the love of God. The love of God never lacks. And here I have been, you know, it's interesting. I've been studying the book of Judges and the book of Revelation, <laughs> two super light books um and in the book of judges you know you know it's interesting that you know I'm um and I'm not going to teach it because I don't I'm not that smart but but I will say that you know there's a, a cycle of sin right that 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 you know the people uh you know they 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 wanted a king or whatever and then they get a king and they're being ruled over and then you know, the king dies and then they fall into sin and they, they serve idols and, and then God, and then they cry out and then eventually God gives them another deliverer. It's like the cycle of abuse, you know, it's just a spiritual issue. Um, and, and it's funny cause that's, that's totally us. That's how, that's how we are. That's, I mean, we're human beings, right? But Gideon, I love Gideon. Although I, I have some concerns about him after learning more about him. <laughs> But the thing with Gideon that you know, uh, we, I was I was in Pam's class today, and she asked, "What's something that you've been learning in this book that you're you're applying?" And and my answer was that Gideon's relationship initially in that that we see in Judges is you know God refers to him as a valiant warrior, and he's like, "No, I'm not." Short cliff note version: I'm no, I'm not. <laughs> in fact, I'm a big chicken, and I actually. Uh, yeah, you're going to tell me I'm doing this, but just so you know, uh, I'm not really secure. You really want me to, so go ahead and give me a sign. <laughs> and he was creative. He came up with a good one with, with a couple of good ones, you know, Hey, make the fleece wet. Okay. And then now make the ground wet and the fee- the fleece dry. <laughs> and the thing, the thing about that, that cracks me up is number one, I'm curious how he got that idea aside from that, but the thing that stood out to me is the Lord in there. God knew Gideon so well that he humored him. He was very kind to him. And, and the interesting thing to me, too, the other thing that, that came to my mind about it was that in the New Testament, Jesus, he rebuked the Pharisees when, you know, all they did was ask for a sign you know, your wicked and perverse gener a wicked and perverse generation asks for a sign, and yet with Gideon, you know, um, Gideon's like, ah, "Give me a sign." Here it is, and the Lord's like, "Okay, Gideon, here I'm going to do this for you," and and he does, and it just shows you how good God is, how well He knows us. He knows you inside and out. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows your thoughts from afar. He knows when you get up, when you go down. You know, he 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 knows the word before it's even on your tongue. He knows it all, right? But we as believers don't believe that. We don't believe that God really knows that. Because if we did, we probably wouldn't do most of the stuff that we do. And then, so I'm studying Judges, but I'm also studying the book of Revelation. And this past week, I am... I, um, really took apart revelation chapter 3 and and the and and in particular the church of laodicea and you know biblical scholars believe that the church of laodicea started probably around 1900 and so here we are 2020 it's approximately what 120 years something like that 1900 1900 to 2020 is like 120 years right yeah, that's what most church scholars say, bareface. I looked it up.
1: I'm um, I'm sorry, I'm confused.
0: Yeah, so so what are you confused about?
1: So you're saying the the Church of Laodicea started in nineteen hundred?
0: No, I'm saying the church age. The... Church
1: age, okay. I'm okay, sorry. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the church
0: Yeah, the church age. That that basically the the period of the Laodicean church started approximately around 1900 that's what
1: hmm interesting
0: so which i don't know if that's true or not but that's just what i've read
1: interesting take on the all right
0: okay well anyway
1: back these days
0: so the (laughs) so the point is is that okay so i'm in particularly studying the church of laodicea right and the the um laodicea if you don't know was a very wealthy area it was a very wealthy it had a very um they had a high jewish population um, and it was um, um it was an area that had a hard um, the water system it was very hard to get into and often when the enemies would come in to try to overtake laodicea the laodiceans would just go oh you know it's okay yeah you can you can do whatever you want over here but see they were they were well known for three things they were well known for their 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 money their gold their textiles and their eye they exported these things all over the place but their water supply when it would when, when when their water would come in their water supply was um very lukewarm you know they didn't really have cold water they didn't really have hot water and so the Lord, he is, he's saying who he is. I'm, you know, and then, and then he calls out the church of Laodicea and he, he says, you know, you know, you're neither cold nor, nor you're, you're not hot, but you're lukewarm. And because of that, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Um, and that word spew is spit and actually it literally means vomit. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. And I don't know if you, about you, but if you've ever vomited, but last year I had the blessing of food poisoning where I vomited seven times in a row. And I'm talking big vomit, like bucket, you know, seven full buckets. How that got, I lost 14 pounds in one day. <laughs> that's how much was in me that came out. Um, and that's a gross thing, right? And if you look at the word cold and you look at the word hot, in the Greek there, the, the word cold um, indicates chilly um, and the, the spiritual overlay implication was that that they had lost the fear of the Lord and the desire for holiness and the pursuit of holiness. They didn't care. And the word hot actually represented the word zeal and they had lost their zeal for the Lord. and. You know, and so because of this, the Lord basically said, you know what, because of this, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Well, he goes on and he talks about um, how the church of Laodicea thinks that they're all that, a bag of chips, that they're wealthy and all that, and they don't need anything. And I don't know about you, but it's interesting to me, having written about Christian persecution for a decade almost, um, studied it for 15 years at least, um, that the American church by and large, and, and also the, the church all over the place really, but let's say America, cause I live here, you know, we, are we in need? Are we in want of food or anything? No. Are are we going and having worship services in caves in the underground church yet? No. In fact, church attendance has dropped during COVID. Uh, you know, um, and and the church of Laodicea, same thing. You know, it was kind of like, well, you know, we we don't we don't really need anything because we have everything. And yet the Lord rebukes them and says, actually, you're poor, you're miserable, you're wretched, you're blind, and you're naked. I believe that's the five things he said. I'm doing this from memory, and and I looked at every word. I I mean, I I literally looked up every Greek word in this passage, and and basically. The word naked there, um, he basically was telling them that they're they're essentially wearing underwear. And so he tells the church of Laodicea, you need to go and you need to buy clothes and put them on. You need to buy them from me, though. You need to buy, um, you need to get your gold from me. You need to get your clothing from me. And you need to buy ISAB so that you can see And that's interesting and it's beautiful because those were the three things that the laodiceans were known to export around the world and then the famous passage in rome in in revelation chapter 3 verse 20 where then the lord says behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hear my voice and open the door then i will come in and sup with him and that's the condensed version but it's basically the version Um, and it was just, it's a picture of Jesus saying, Hey, church, here you are at church. You're in church, but I'm over here on the outside. I'm not here. I'm not in your midst. I am not in here. But if anyone hears my voice and lets me in, I'll come in and sup with him. And the word sup there really has to do, it has to do with the evening meal that which, in the, in the Jewish culture, that was the most intimate meal. And, and one commentator I read said that, that it had to do with um, uh, almost uh, the meal before intercourse, you know, that it was that, it was that intimate, that they, he wants to come and dine and be with you and, and love you and, you know, have that intimacy with you. And then the chapter ends by saying, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So I've been thinking a lot about that. And I've been thinking about the apathy in the body of Christ that I would say is big. But I also want to draw your attention to the fact that there is a remnant out there. They're, they're a remnant of believers who are not about the gold. They're not about the linen. They're not about the, the eye products. They're, they're not about what I refer to as consumer culture, church business Christianity is all about. They're not about the, the trappings of what we perceive Christianity to be about. They're really about the father's business. They're really about, you know, being in the word of God, applying the word of God, having the word of God come in and change your life. And that's, that to me is the mark of a mature believer. When you can talk to a fellow believer and you can say, first of all, where are you reading God's word? What is he teaching you and how are you applying it? How, I mean, how is this changing you? You know, you can you know, an unbeliever can read the Bible and it won't do anything for them because they don't have the Holy Spirit to comprehend it, convict them and all that. But as a believer, you have the author of the book residing within you who's going, Hey, come here. I want to show you something really cool. Check this out. You know how like it like for me, one of the, the verses that um I um I uh I adored when I was first saved was, and I don't know the actual place, (sighs) but, you know, I always felt forsaken by my mom and my dad. I didn't have the best parents and I'm not bagging on my parents. It's just the reality. I had a very extremely abusive mother and I had an abandoned, my dad abandoned me, you know, and I have this situation where, um, my mom never defended me. Um, she rejected me. Um, you know, and I'm sorry, but that goes a little deep and it takes some time to recover from that. And, and my dad, he was never there, you know, the very first time I really had any interaction with my dad was at my wedding, which I thought was a miracle that he even came to because he didn't have anything to do with me after my parents got divorced. I mean, I'd get a birthday card with maybe 20 bucks in it. And I, sometimes at Christmas I get 50 bucks for Christmas from my dad and that was it. You know, it was like, and then when that stopped coming, I was like, oh no, does my dad not love me anymore? Because I'm, I'm not even getting 20 bucks anymore for my birthday, you know, and that was my dad. My dad didn't provide for me, didn't teach me anything, you know, didn't even fight for me to have me as his kid, Didn't didn't even fight my mom to keep me, you know, gosh, that makes me feel loved, you know, and yet here I am at 52 taking care of my dad who's got dementia and Parkinson's and is a, a weak old man. Um, but a very tender hearted old man who's full of regret, you know, and all that. But the verse that, that I lived on and that I, I held to for years was the one that says, even though your mother and your father may forsake you, the Lord will lift you up. The Lord will lift you up. And I was like, yeah. Thank you, Lord. And then Psalm 68:19 which says blessed be the Lord who daily bears your burdens. And I was like, thank you, Lord. You know that I need that. You know that I need you daily to bear my burden cuz I'm too young. I can't deal with this. I'm just a child and I was just a child at the time. Um you know, and as I got older, God would convict me of more stuff, and he would show me more stuff, and then he'd say, hey, you know, have you read Psalm 139? You know, have you read Psalm 121? You know, where where it says, lift up your eyes to the hills. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the maker of, you know, heaven and earth. Um, he will not let your foot slip. He will not let your foot stumble. Neither He will neither slumber nor sleep, you know, um... And then, and then I would be going through some more healing and, and I would feel shame because of all the abuse I went through and felt dirty. And I'm like, okay, this is my fault. No, it's not. I didn't have anything to do with this sexual stuff. And, and, but then because I was exposed to all this crap and I would feel dirty, then God would say, wait, look over here in Romans 8, 1, where it says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus you are not condemned because of what somebody else did to you. You didn't do it. You were sinned against. You just had to see it and endure it. But you don't have to you don't have to you you can know I'm not condemning you, you know. And then first John that book just riveted my heart and the book of Romans just tore me tore me into pieces, you know, where where I read in Romans twelve two, not to be conformed to this world but but to be continually transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might know what God's good and perfect and acceptable will is, you know. And I and I would read that and I would like, wow, yeah, okay, I can do this. And and then you learn, okay, this is biblical. This is true. If I do this, then God's gonna do that. And, but, but then there came a point when I was about 30 years old, I went through a situation where I was so angry, angry, like, 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 you know, like I wanted to kill everybody angry because the, the hurt was so deep. I I mean, I'm just so thankful that God didn't let me kill anybody because I was very angry. And I remember reading in James where it says the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> be slow to speak, slow to anger." <laughs> okay, you know, and all through that, God knows, He knows, He just He knows, He He takes you as His sheep, because He is a shepherd, and He He will carry you at times. He'll He'll guide you. He'll go with His little staff you know, and walk you away just to kind of, you know, calm you, you know, and he knows, he knows you, (sighs) he knows you, and now I'm at the point, you know, a couple people keep telling me God's crazy about me, there's nowhere in the Bible that that actually says that, doesn't say God is crazy about you, but honestly, I understand what people are saying when they say that, and I've thought a lot about it, and I'm like, eh, well, I, you know, it's kind of like God's refrigerator, has no grandchildren, it's all children, and your picture is in his wallet, you know, that type of thing, and I'm like, okay, I, that's no frame of reference for me. I don't have a father or a mother who carried pictures around of me, and they were like, hey, this is my kid, you know, I'm just like, what, That. I mean, maybe in a normal family, <laughs> But not mine. That just doesn't compute with me. And yet the body of Christ as you walk in it and and you allow yourself the uncomfortableness of being in it where, you know, you can hear you can hear that. I think that I at least up here I know it's true. But not quite here yet, you know. I'm working on it, and actually, God's working on it, because there used to be a time in my life where my heart was so hard. I was, you know, barefaced can tell you that. I, I just, you know, I could have led a gang. I mean, I really could have. I could have had like a massive leather jacket with like, you know, I'm gonna kick your, you know what, on it, with, you know, with a, with a, you know, a sword or something as my, my. image or something um (laughs) but thank god (laughs) he reached down he saved me and when he saved me from my sin and forgave me and, and started teaching me you know what look all these people hurt you but you know what you hurt people too and so now you need to deal with your stuff girl and you need to let me help you. And I'm like, I don't know how to take your help because nobody ever wanted to help me. I had to do everything on my own. So how am I supposed to accept help from you? Cause I don't, you know, that's a scary thing. Reaching out for help is one of the hardest things somebody who's never had that, um, given to them. It's like, well, well, how do you know? Cause like that old adage of, of, hey, how do you build trust with a kid? You know, the father is standing there and his kid's on the counter and the father's saying, go, he- go ahead, jump, jump, I'll catch you. And the kid's like, no, no, I'm scared. And the, the father's like, no, go ahead, I'll catch you. And then finally the kid jumps. And in some cases, the father steps away and the kid falls down and smacks his head on the floor because the dad didn't catch him. Like Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown when he's trying to kick it. But then there's other people who they would jump and their dad would be totally there. With a pillow, you know, pacifier, piece of chocolate afterwards. Hey, you did a great job. Look at you. You're jumping into this soft thing and I'm catching you and now you get a reward. You know, I mean, I'm trying to be a little bit funny, but it's true. There's people that have that and then there's people who don't and God's so good that he knows that right and I and I used to be so mad at people that had that I'd be so mad at the people that had like they were able to go to church they had a dad who could who had the pillow they could jump in they get candy afterwards be awesome they're loved on they were told that they were loved and beautiful and blah blah and wanted and we prayed for you and we gave you this name because you're so awesome and blah blah I would be so mad at those people. I'd be like, I hate you because you suck, you know, and all you're doing is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then, and then I, I was like, well, wait a minute. Why Why would I hate somebody? They didn't have anything to do with that. Um, and then I had a friend tell me once, man, I was so jealous of you because you had this born again believer zealousness that I never had and I wished I had it because I've never had that experience. I don't know what that radical change is. I don't know what it's like to find a million dollars and want to tell everybody about it. But You found the proverbial spiritual million dollars and you're so excited you're telling everybody about it. Kind of like the woman at the well who the Lord revealed for the very first time in scripture that he was the Messiah She was so smart. She went out and she said, could he be the Messiah? And then pretty soon the whole town was being converted to Christ because of her testimony. And she was the outcast, right? She had five husbands and the one she was with then wasn't her husband either. And yet the Lord said to her, go and sin no more. And to Nicodemus, he said, Huh, you're here at night. You're the leader. You're the teacher of the law. And you don't know the answer to this question. You must be born again. Well, how can a man, when he is old, be born again? And the Lord was so tender and said this, this, and this. And he taught him how to be born again. And then when Lazarus died, he wept. With Mary and Martha, who he was very close to, because Lazarus. Which the interesting thing about Lazarus is, we really don't know much about Lazarus, except that he died, and um, he's he's mentioned a few times. I think it's a couple different Lazaruses, but he was very close to Mary and Martha, and the love of Christ when he wept for for Lazarus when he died. He saw the overwhelming grief of Mary and Martha, and the disciples. And the Bible says in John that he wept. Jesus wept. He wept. I mean, think about it. The God of the universe incarnate creates a human being who dies, and then he wept. Yeah, the interesting thing is, is in the Old Testament, it says that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his holy ones or the death of his saints. So, that death would have been precious to him, actually. And yet, because of the love he had for those people, he wept. And then, of course, he called him back to life and minister to that whole family, and more people came to Christ. In fact, the church leaders, they wanted to kill Jesus because the, the resurrection of Lazarus was bringing more people to Christ, and they didn't like it. So what is my point in all this? Because I feel like I'm giving a, another heart-to-heart talk, but whatever. My point is is that the Lord knows you. He loves you. He understands you. He knows what you're going through. Um, but you got to be in the arena. You got to be making disciples. Got to be in the word, you got to be in prayer. And you got to realize that there's an enemy of your soul who wants to take you down and eat you eat you for lunch. You know. Sometimes those attacks or the hurt that comes to you is going to come from the body of Christ. And it's not because they hate you. It's just because they're where they're at in their own pain. You know, my mom died of cancer 18 years ago, 18 years ago. I was in my early thirties and, um, I, I had just started graduate school to be a therapist and, I had just gotten to the point where I was like, yay, my life is great. This is perfect, blah, blah. And then, <laughs> and then that. And the Lord taught me what it was like to love an enemy and forgive an enemy because my mom was pretty much my enemy at that point. Um, and he also showed me how great his love was for my mom. And he also showed me a severe mercy c.s lewis would call that a severe, a severe mercy because until you've seen somebody in the weakened state of cancer and how that can ravage a body if you have a heart there's no way you would wish that on anybody um but it matured me it made me grow up it um made me hate death and let's just get real you know death that's death sucks we all hate it the wages of sin is death and sometimes our church doesn't talk about it we don't talk about hey you know all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and and everybody needs to be forgiven of their their sin but the wages of sin is death. And Christ paid that for us so that we don't have to. Yet we live in a world that glorifies death everywhere you, you turn. If you turn on any media, any gun by, fighting, violence, you know, all that stuff, that's death. Right? I mean, we are, we are living in a world that's hard to live in without being tempted by the, uh, the word, the flesh, and the devil. You know, I mean, it's all around us. And it's all the more reason to do what Micah 6.8 says, to walk humbly with your God, because you, you can't do it. You cannot live it alone. In the, you can't do it. You can't do it, you guys. You just can't do it. So I want to encourage you that in the body of Christ you're not alone unless you choose to be. That you need to get into the battle And if people are our armchair critics, you just ignore them, you know, because I'm going to tell you something. I know what it's like to be that hardened person that's angry and wants to fight. But I also know what it's like to be that vulnerable person that's broken and that's been loved. Um, and maybe it's because I'm middle aged or something. I don't know, but I choose the latter. It's uncomfortable to hurt and to love and to be vulnerable, but it's worth it. Uh, you know, I was talking to Pam, and you know, one of the things that that we we were talking about um, was that nobody was. We're, you're taught in in, in therapy. People teach you that to comfort yourself. You got to learn to comfort yourself. Well, the reality is the scripture never tells you to comfort yourself. If it does, show it to me because I've never found it. But it says to comfort one another with the comfort with which you've been comforted. And you can't be comforted by other people unless you're with other people. And you're vulnerable around other people. So to those of you who have cancer, I understand losing a loved one to cancer. I actually had four people die last year. Very close to me that had cancer. (laughs) My mom died of cancer. My life personally was changed by cancer. Maybe suicide is your issue. Maybe you know somebody who committed suicide. Maybe you can come alongside somebody who experienced that, you know, because you understand the comfort with, with what you've been comforted because you lost somebody's suicide. Maybe alcoholism is it. Maybe pornography addiction is it. I have a dear friend who um, struggles with that. Actually, a couple, couple guy friends. Um, and they're some of the most godly people I know because they've been able to come alongside others that deal with that temptation, you know. So, um, dare greatly, love passionately, let the Lord heal you and use you for His glory, and I guarantee you it'll it'll be. It'll be the sweetest thing that you can you can deal with ever in your whole life. So Stacy's sermon is over now. So if Randall wants to come on screen, he can come on screen. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Should I walk away?
1: Walk away from what?
0: <laughs> this is a from this, sh- from, from from my speech I just gave.
1: Why, like like drop the mic moment <laughs> and close the show?
0: No, no, not necessarily close the show, but just say, you know, look, this is this is the the you know, this is where, where how it is. But anyway,
1: yeah, <sighs> that is yeah indeed, and. You know, originally this afternoon, well, early this afternoon, was bouncing around the idea of of talking about this video that several people sent me and I finally watched about the AstraZeneca um, vaccine that, incidentally, is now in phase three trials in the U.S. Um, But uh, anyway, rather than going into all that and talking about what it is, what it is not. And how the human immune system works, and that kind of thing, which would take more than ten minutes. Um, I just think that it's interesting, in light of everything you just said, uh, that seems like believers today are more concerned about, you know, what, what Bill Gates is doing, and about you know, vaccines and. And, uh, you know, New World Order and the Global Reset, which are things to be concerned about, certainly, uh, because they're signs of the time and of a godless culture. Um, but it's also, as this episode titled, Culture, Spiritual Apathy, where you know, that's the primary concern rather than one's own spiritual health. Uh, their intimacy with the Lord, the relationship with the Lord. Um, you know, I think that the Christian life should be characterized primarily by knowing him, knowing Christ, knowing the Messiah, and making him known to others. Knowing him, making him own, known. Uh, you know, Peter encouraged his audience in his second epistle, I believe, uh, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think I'm, I've got that accurate where he uses all three things. Um, I better fact check myself right now. Um, grace and knowledge. Well,. Uh, Fact check, correct all four. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, the Savior part, huh?
0: So you missed the Savior part. Yeah,
1: so it's not just growing the grace and knowledge of Christ, the Messiah. You know, you know, the Christos. You know, his his um, identity as Messiah. you know. Which would I think growing in the knowledge of that would be looking at the old testament Old Testament prophecies and understanding why he is the Messiah, why he is the promised Messiah, but it's not and it's also not just growing in grace and knowledge of jesus Yeshua Yeshoshua the the person and and his his character, and is the great moral teacher, whatever. And it's not just growing in grace and knowledge of the Savior, the one who saved us uh, from our sin, who in him we have eternal life. Uh, It's also growing the grace and knowledge of our Lord, that is our master, the one who has the authority to direct our lives, speak into our lives, and, and give us instruction on living, basically, on living, thinking, speaking, (laughs) Um, and dying, Uh, you know, from the cradle to the grave instruction, Lord. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, That's pretty comprehensive as I read it. Um, that growing in grace and knowledge isn't just a single facet of, you know, it's just, um, you know that all are important. Knowledge of the scriptures, knowledge of the, the person, um, and, and knowledge of what it means to be saved, and, and knowledge of his lordship. His His authority over our lives, and we're to grow in the grace, and 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 grace is important in all of those all of those facets of the Lord. We need to grow in grace as we understand that we're saved by grace, grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. Uh, it's important to grow in grace and understand what that means um and and as we're uh, you know learning to be his disciples his servants as our lord it's important that we grow in grace and uh, and then the way that we do that is is to grow in knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ uh but if it's just we just we can't stop at knowledge there has to be grace and we can't just stop at grace There needs to be knowledge we need to grow in in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ it's it's a pretty powerful admonition there in a few words it takes me back to john chapter one uh, which tells us the law was given through Moses or came through Moses, depend upon your uh, translation. But grace and truth uh, came to us by Jesus the Christ. Um, it's it's grace and truth. They've got to they've got to go together. Grace and knowledge go together. Um, if it's just grace, it ends up being hyper-grace. And we've seen the fallout of that in Christendom. And continue to see the fallout of that. The hyper-grace movement. Where, you right. know, yeah. By do everything way. you want because...
0: By the way, can we can we say hi to some people?
1: Certainly. I'm sure that we can.
0: So my sisters, Tracy and um, Mia...
1: Over on YouTube.
0: They're on YouTube. So you guys, you know I love you guys. Yeah, I do. And then on Periscope, we have Odvar and um, Evangelist Wilson we have over there. And I still think Aardvark, (laughs) Odvar. Sorry, buddy. It just, I just don't know what it is. It it just got that forever in my head. Yeah, I do. Um, But... I don't. I can't see any comments on Periscope, so I'm sorry. I don't know why Periscope won't let me see comments anymore. It's well,
1: just... I'm seeing them monitoring the broadcast. Oh, uh, really? Yeah.
0: Are there comments? Yeah. Okay. Good. Well,
1: uh, but at the beginning of the hour, Marlene and a bunch of numbers, a bunch of digits, I should say, to be accurate, the blessings. Uh, Ren Benzen said, "God know, gods know, and see all." And then, uh, memet, deal, whatever, said, merheba, or whatever that is. Um, and Dr. Eggnog asked, is this a Bible study? To which I replied, more of a Bible encouragement. And Dr. Eggnog also asked, what is that thing on the bottom that is try to get me to buy stuff? To which I replied, known in broadcasting as a crawler or a ticker. And then cutie lady asks, Is Vicky Fitch okay?
0: Oh. Well, you know, I mean, is she still in the chat room? I don't know.
1: Uh seven minutes ago was that question. Mm. So
0: Well, I am um, um also Jerry Herb over on uh Facebook, Facebook as well. Yes. And Jerry's has not been feeling good this week, so we've mm. been praying for you. Um, mm. as well. I don't, about Vicky. Um. Do
1: you know? I mean, I don't know.
0: I, um. I, what I can tell you is that, that I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Vicki. Um, I love Vicky. I will always love Vicki. Vicki impacted my life in a very important way. Um. But with Vicki, your relationship goes one way, and um, if it's not all about her, you're not gonna have a relationship with her. So
1: just not very communicative.
0: yeah, mm. no, it's all about Vicki. if you're in a relationship with Vicki, and that's oh. the truth. and uh, a lot of people tried to warn me and and I didn't listen for a long time, and then I got smart this year and just walked away. so oh. um it's it's um. It's sad. I hope she's okay. I pray for her every day. Um, so that's all I know.
1: Well, we're an hour <sighs> out, and
0: yeah, and so one of us
1: has to retrieve some groceries.
0: Yes, they they are ready. So I will say um, that that you know sometimes God. Put you in a classroom to teach you things that he has to teach you. And sometimes you walk through life with some people and he tells you, okay, here's the baton. Now it's time for you to go some and walk with some other people and help them out, encourage one another. Um, so I, I hope Vicki is okay because uh, I love her. Uh, but when I send her messages, she doesn't answer them and, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. I don't, I don't know. I would guess not, to be honest with you, knowing her the way I know her, I would say she's probably not okay. And I would encourage you to pray for her because, um, knowing her the way that I know her, uh, I would I would say that there's probably something serious going on that we don't know about. That's my gut, and she doesn't want anybody to help her out with it. So you can't you can't help somebody who doesn't want your help. Um, and as a classic codependent, one of the hardest things for me to ever do is walk away and say, "Okay, you don't want my help. You didn't ask for it. I'm not going to give it to you. I don't. It's not my business. You didn't ask for my help." It is what it is, you know, and, you know, it's sad. I, I read something this week and I'll end it this way. I read something this week. It was in one of my memories on Facebook um, that when somebody rejects your love for them, uh, it hurts, you know, and I know for me, when I love somebody, I might not love perfectly, but I love with my heart, deeply, Um, you know, and I thought for a while, you know what, I'm not going to tell anybody I love them anymore, not going to do it, screw it, you know, I mean, I got got to that point, uh, in part because of Vicky, to be honest, I was like so hurt by her that it's like, you know what, I give up. So, you know what, because of her, I'm not going to love anybody anymore. I'm not going to ever say anything nice. I'm not going to get attached. I'm not going to do anything. But you know what I realized after stepping away and out of the toxic relationship that was? I realized that um, there's just some people that can't accept it. They're not there. It's not my fault. I spent a lot of time in my own therapy dealing with my stuff. And If somebody isn't healthy enough to deal with you and they're trying to make it all like you're the horrible one It's like forget that. I'm done with that game. That's not gonna help anybody so um, I started praying that the Lord would give me Godly Christian friends who are walking close with the Lord not playing games with God. There's a difference and um, He he did he opened that door and surrounded me with some mature believers who? who actually can admit they have sin in their life and, you know, they're not making it all about them all the time and they're making it about Christ. And so that's my counsel. My counsel would be get in relationships with people who are making much of Christ and not much of themselves. And when you do that, you're going to grow. And then you're going to go, Oh, my heart's soft again. I love people again. Cause you know what? There's people that care about me and they love me back. Cause I can tell you what, when, when, I, when I love somebody and I tell them I love them and they don't tell me they love me back, I'm okay with that because I don't want somebody to fake love me. But when they actually say, yeah, they love me back, it's like, okay, good. This is a two-way relationship. It's not just one way. And that's what I tell people. If you're in a relationship and somebody never asks you how you are, get out of that relationship. <laughs> I mean, cause that's, that's toxic. You, I mean, why would you want to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't give a crap about how you are? You know, not even the formal, Hey, how you doing? I don't know. How you doing? If they can't even ask you that, then walk away. <laughs> it's like, nope. You know, God doesn't require us to be abused, you know? Um, and, uh, and I, for one, am not putting up with it anymore. I will not be abused by anybody anymore. And I will do my best to work through things with you, to talk to you about it. Uh, but if you lie to me and and you go behind my back and you do this and you do that, like, with, like, like Melanie Weiser did, you know, I'm like, okay, that's it. I draw the line. You know what? I can tell you this. If you're a friend of mine you tr- you treat me with respect and you love me and you can admit when you've done something wrong and you can admit when you've hurt me, then you'll have me as a friend forever. You know I have a lot of grace and mercy for real people, but fake people, I can't deal with that. And I'm not, I'm at the age where I'm not, I'm not a child, I'm not a teenager, I don't play these stupid ass games with people. It's like you know, look as Jamie Grace said, I don't have games. You know I don't have time for games. You know we're adults. Act like you're an adult, act the age you are, not your shoe size, and there's some people that act their shoe size and they need to grow up and um and they try to bully people and make you know it, and they're and they're and they're miserable and and they're so blinded they can't even see their own cycle of abuse that they put themselves in so I, that's probably a real blunt answer to your question, but it's the truth it's the truth you asked, so now you know that's my answer. Um, you know, and Randall is my best friend. Uh, Randall has gone with me through the journey that I've been on and, and, um, I would hope that (laughs) that my husband could testify to, you know, what I'm saying, you know what I mean? So there you go. That's that's my my uh, response, and I will say, uh, you know, I want to thank you guys who have donated. I know I know uh, Linda, aka Mia, and Tracy, and and uh, you know a number of you um, have been pillars of our community and have donated to our show. You know I'm not here begging for money all the time saying feed me you know I have a word a word, a word from God if you do you know none of that but look this is this is my job it's part of my job and so if you like what we do and and you trust us you want to give to us you can give through our website biblenewsradio.com got a fundraiser going on over at Facebook which I won't get the money for probably three or four months because that's just how they roll um, but to everybody that donated to that, Everybody who donates every month to us, um, you know, thank you for that. Uh, If you pray for us, thank you for that. If you are one of my Legal Shield and ID Shield members, thank you for becoming that. You know, um, I love and value everything you guys contribute to what we do. And um, you as people matter to me. I try to, I try to, I'm a friend to all of you. Uh, which is why I do the shows that I do. But, you know, I don't know how I can help you or minister to you unless you tell me. And, you know, if if I haven't gotten back to you on something, it's not because I hate you. It's just because I got a lot of stuff going on and I'm trying. So always get in touch with me again and I will try to get back to you. And, you know, and all that. So, um, yeah. But, yeah. So, so anyway. All that to say. That's what I got to say. So. <laughs> Tomorrow night, I think Randall is going to do something. I hope. You've been
1: warned, yep.
0: Yeah. So um so thank you. And and as I always say, be bold. Stand up and go with God. You know what? Cuz he loves you. He really does love you. And I want you to know that. He really does. So.